It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply this podcast is sponsored by ramp are you the decision maker in your company consider this for the first time in decades there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform meet ramp the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value ramps business cards offer you cash back real money in your pocket plus you control who spends what with each vendor and ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days businesses that use ramp add up to five percent to their bottom line the first year if you're a decision maker adding ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made and now get 250 dollars when you join ramp for free just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? There's Donald. Carrying it out. Deep ball. Separation. Clock. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Now the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Bell trying to go all the way. Right beyond Bell. Touchdown. Big return for Crowder. And he's going to go all the way. Touchdown. 85 yards. Looking downfield. Fires this one. And intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know that's the Q&A. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seats Studios, where you can get yourself up to 100 bucks off of your very first purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. Just use the promo code OVERTIME. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. We had a game today, so this is the post-game report. And I am joined by the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Matt Stabalkowski. Matt, heartbreaker, that's a word I could use. Aggravator, that's a word I could use. Frustrator, that's a word I could use. Now I'm starting to feel like Rick Vaughn in the movie Major League Two where he was naming his pitches. But yeah, this was a game that if you were a Jets fan, in a sense, at a certain point, you felt like you were standing on the tracks, the train was coming through, and there was nothing you could do about it. You couldn't move. Your shoelaces were tied to the track or something, and you were stuck, and you were getting run over, and that's exactly what happened here with the Bills. Jets led it all the way. They had a 16 nothing lead in the third quarter, still leading in the fourth, and then, of course, we saw what happened as the Jets ended up giving the game away and losing this one by a final score of 17 16. So let's unpack how it happened, go through all the news, all the relevant notes, updates on the injuries, what everybody said in the locker room. Matt, first of all, did you share my thought as you were watching this unfold that this was almost like the Jets were standing on a train track waiting to be run over because it felt like the Jets were worn out, the Bills were starting to come on, and the ending was inevitable. And I hate to say same old Jets, but if you're going to say same old Jets, I can't really argue with you. Yeah, um, not exactly a, a good Sunday if you're a Jets fan. And yeah, I would say uh, when the Bills scored that first touchdown with 
what was it about 10 minutes left in the fourth uh i i did kind of look around the press box and i said to some of the guys up there i said they're they're gonna lose this game aren't they so started getting the sense at that point that things were not going to go well for the jets and then yeah the last 10 minutes certainly bore that out that last drive for the bills just kind of had that familiar feeling to it so um yeah pretty pretty bad start for the jets all all the way around here there's a couple of things that we can really discuss and we'll go through bits and pieces of the game first of all Arguably the three most high-profile acquisitions in the offseason, Jamison Crowder, Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, all of them showed up in a big way today. Jamison Crowder leading the Jets in receptions and yards. Le'Veon Bell looking back to form, got himself a touchdown as well. C.J. Mosley with two turnovers and also had a touchdown-saving coverage play in the end zone. He was a man amongst boys on the defense Those three showed up in a big way. On offense, though, it felt like it was only Crowder and Bell. Everybody else was just there. It was Crowder, Bell, and a bunch of guys that just weren't producing. There were a variety of things that went wrong. So let's start with the offensive line. Whoa, Nelly. We were sold on this offensive line is going to be better this year. Assemblies here. They got Khalil out of retirement. He's a big upgrade over Harrison. Certainly an upgrade over Spencer Long. Brandon Shell is healthy. This offensive line is going to be rejuvenated, and they're going to surprise people and be a lot better than we think. That's not what happened today. No. Instead, it looked a lot like an offensive line that has never played a game together and has only had about four practices together. Uh, and Ryan Khalil looked a lot like a guy who was retired until about a month ago. So um, not not a good start for the Jets' offensive line. Sam Darnold uh, did not get to work within a clean pocket all that often. Le'Veon Bell was forced to try to make something out of nothing a whole lot of the time. So, um, you know, it was tough sledding for the offense all day long because they weren't winning that battle in the trenches. And, uh, you know, it's not an excuse for everyone else to not have a good day, but Uh, the offensive line certainly didn't make it easier on any of the skill guys. Let's talk about Darnold for a second. It's not that he was terrible, but overall this was not one of his better performances. And I know that he was fine when he had a clean pocket, but let's be real. This is the NFL. He's not going to have a clean pocket a lot of the times, and he needs to find a way to make things happen anyway. And it felt like every time the pocket wasn't clean, he looked confused and just wasn't able to operate at a high level or at least even the type of level that you would need to operate on to get by. And there were a bunch of miscues. One that really drove me nuts was toward the end of the first half. There was a third and 10 play where they were in field goal range. Obviously, it still would have been a long field goal, about 52 yards. And on top of that, everybody doesn't trust Vedvek for reasons that we're going to get into in a bit. But still, 52-yard kick, end of the half, no wind. That's something that you do in most circumstances. And Darnold ended up taking a sack instead of throwing the ball away. They were completely out of field goal range after that. There was also the fact that he several times underthrew Robbie Anderson. There were a couple of throws where he seemed to not really know where he was going with the ball. Had a high completion percentage, didn't turn the ball over. But beyond the box score, I'm not saying Darnold was terrible, But this was not the Sam Darnold that we were hoping for in year two. Of course, this is not the end of the story. He's got all the rest of the season to continue to grow. But this wasn't an encouraging start. Darnold is supposed to be a difference maker. And in this game, he was mostly just a bystander. Yeah, it it certainly wasn't Darnold's best effort. And, uh, you know, there were one or two moments where he looked pretty good and kind of put together those kinds of plays where you expect I mean, the, the two-point conversion to Bell where he was rolling around and then mm-hmm. somehow found him in the corner of the end zone. That was a nice highlight. You had before that, you know, missed field goal opportunity that you mentioned with the sack there. A few plays before that, he found Jamison Crowder after he slid around for a little while and tried to extend the play. So there were some moments, but there were just also way too many moments where Darnold just, you're right, didn't look uh, comfortable when the pocket started to break down a little bit. Uh, looked like he had some happy feet and wasn't comfortable, and uh, a lot of a lot of balls batted down at the line. Part of that, obviously, on the offensive line. Part of it, uh, Darnold's issue as well. There were some guys that were just open, and he missed them. Uh, you know, there's one to Jamison Crowder early in the game that sticks out in my mind. There was the one deep ball to Robbie Anderson late, where he just completely overthrew him on a would-be touchdown pass. That obviously stands out as well. So. 
uh, yeah, I mean, just all around, not a sharp day for Sam Darnold by any means. So, uh, you know, if you're looking around and pointing fingers at the reason why the Jets offense couldn't get in a rhythm, uh, one of those fingers has to be pointed at Darnold, at least to some extent. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Then we talk about Adam Gase, because if you're going to discuss what happened with Darnold, you have to talk about Gase's offensive game plan. Not really sure what he was going for here. First of all, we know that one of Sam Darnold's biggest strengths is his ability to roll out and throw. There was not a single designed rollout from what I could see in this game, so I don't know what he was doing there. We'll get into what Gase had to say to the media afterwards once we get through the game, and you talk about what was said in the post-game press conference, but overall, even beyond that, so many times Le'Veon Bell was put into weird situations where he was set up to run the ball essentially into a wall. We're going to get into Bell's performance in a bit, but the passing attack with Crowder targeted so many times, and Crowder did well, don't get me wrong, and the fact that he was open and the other guys were having trouble helped a lot, but still, it just seemed like too much of the game plan was centered around him. A lot of times, there were these weird short passes that weren't going to be able to gain enough yards to get anything on a third down. This felt like Adam Gase outthinking himself because the Bills are known to have a strong secondary, so instead of at least taking shots, far too many times he played it way too conservatively. Darnold not playing that well, and the offensive line playing even worse didn't help matters, but this was just a strange set of play calls by Gase, weird strategy, and he never really seemed to adjust and make things better in the second half. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, it, it seemed like a lot of the good things that this offense did during the preseason games kind of got tossed out the window. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I do think part of the, the Crowder thing can be explained by the fact that Gase, you know, often talks about how he just wants to take what the defense is giving him. So mm-hmm. if, if he sees an option that's available, he's going to keep going for it. So I think that and, you know, Crowder did a pretty nice job of just getting open as well. So it explains some of why he got targeted so much. But yeah, uh, there certainly could have been some more creativity in this game plan. There certainly could have been some more risks in this game plan, a little bit more variety. So, um, you know, Gase, you're right. He, It seemed like maybe he overthought it or uh, just, you know, convinced himself he had to be different. I know his uh, offenses in Miami always struggled against the Bills as well. So uh, this isn't really anything new for Gase. This isn't his favorite matchup. But, uh, yeah, things didn't go well on his front uh, either. And, you know, if you're going to say that Sam Darnold had a, a rough day, then part of that blame has to go to Gase as well because, you know, obviously he was brought in here in large measure to help Darnold succeed. So if the quarterback isn't succeeding, part of that blame goes to Gase as well. So, uh, you know, an, an inauspicious debut for Gase, to say the least. And I am in no way throwing shade at Jamison Crowder. He did a great job of getting open, and he was one of only two real bright spots on the offense as far as I could see all day. So him and Le'Veon Bell, who looked like his old self today, Matt, this is a guy that hadn't played in over a year. He stepped onto the football field, and as I said, a lot of times he was put in position where he was going to be running into a brick wall and still found a way to make things happen. He's a different kind of cat. He's the type of guy that he's just different when you watch him. The best way I could explain it is when Curtis Martin used to carry the ball, there would be times when he looked like a dead duck and he would find a way to get three, four yards out of absolutely nothing. He wasn't necessarily going to get you the Barry Sanders 80, 90 yard runs on a regular basis, although he was capable of that from time to time. But his real strength was being able to keep moving the chains and getting gains where it looked like you weren't going to be able to get anything. We saw that several times with Le'Veon Bell, who looked like an elite player today, look past the box scores and watch the tape and see what he did with very little help from the offensive line. Made an impact in the passing game too, even though he wasn't targeted a lot, he did catch that touchdown pass. So if nothing else, Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder looked really good today. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Bell, like you said, I mean, he wasn't exactly set up to succeed a ton by the offensive line, but did a nice job of kind of making lemonade out of lemons for most of the day and just, uh, you know, squeezing every ounce of juice he could out of him because, uh, you know, there were a lot of times where he was bottled up and it really didn't look like he had anywhere to go, like you were saying, and he managed to make something out of it and, uh, you know, broke a few decent runs in there as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Bell certainly did look a lot like a guy who's been playing a lot of football and not so much like a guy that just sat for 20 months without playing an NFL game. So uh, if you're the Jets, you have to be encouraged by the fact that, you know, there were really no noticeable signs of rust from Le'Veon Bell. And, um, yeah, the versatility in the passing game certainly helpful as well. So that is definitely a big bright spot for the Jets offense, knowing that, you know, he's right back in the saddle. He's where he needs to be. It's certainly useful for Gase and his offense moving forward. Now it's just about, you know, actually maximizing what he can do for you and giving him some help, uh, you know, some other targets that are kind of going to kind of take some uh, attention away from him. And, you know, also an offensive line that's opening up holes instead of just, you know, tiny little creases that he has to wiggle through. So, um, yeah, a pretty good debut for Le'Veon Bell. Jets fans have to be on, happy on that front, but uh, still plenty of room for growth on that front as well. Let's talk a little bit about the defense, Matt. And one thing that I want to talk about specifically is the third quarter. The Jets are up 16 nothing. The Bills are at about midfield. Josh Allen throws an incomplete pass. The Bills were going to have to punt. Except they weren't because Henry Anderson was called for a late hit. Now, a lot of people have said, oh, it's a soft call because he barely touched him. Bottom line is, and we all know this, if you touch the quarterback after he releases the ball, the referees are going to call it every single time. I know this. You know this. Everybody listening to this podcast knows this. Henry Anderson's been in the league a long time. He knows this too. So he went and he hit Allen after the play. I don't care how ticky-tack it was. He had to know that that was going to get called. That was a horrendous penalty. It ended up keeping a drive alive that was otherwise dead. The Bills ended up getting three points on that drive. And if they hadn't gotten those three points, who knows if they would have been able to get enough points to overcome the 16 to nothing deficit. I know that otherwise Henry Anderson had a pretty solid game, but I'm sorry. This was arguably the biggest mistake and the worst play of the game. Everybody's going to focus on Vidvek, and I understand that. We'll get to that in a bit. But this is not getting called out enough. It infuriated me, and the more I think about it, it gets me angrier and angrier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was certainly a turning point moment, but uh, you know, I also think you could say it was one of about, what, 15 turning point moments in uh-huh. the Bills' direction in this game. So, yeah. uh, you know, Henry Anderson didn't help himself there. It wasn't good. He did not help the Jets. But, uh, you know, the penalty was also kind of part of a, a trend. I mean, the Jets were called for eight penalties in the game and uh that's something that's just an extension of last year which is exactly what you don't want if you're a Jets fan I mean you would have been hoping that uh, a new coaching staff and new philosophies and kind of a new culture brought in would kind of sweep some of those old discipline issues out the door get rid of those reset it and you know come in with a little bit of a cleaner slate you know play a cleaner game in week one and instead it was right back a bunch of sloppy flags eight flags i think it was 60 something yards at the end of the day i mean uh you know there were probably some other bigger reasons that the jets lost there was you know plenty of other dysfunction to go around but they certainly didn't help themselves with all the flags and if you keep that up long enough penalties are gonna bite you in a big spot and so uh that is definitely something the jets are gonna have to fix going along here Oh, there's no question that Henry Anderson was not the only culprit here. The reason why that eats at me more than the other stuff is, I was telling you about this before we started recording, Matt, and if you talk to coaches, they will echo this. The two things that will drive a coach the most batty are penalties and turnovers because those are unforced errors. So it's one thing if you just make a bad play, or it's another thing if somebody on the other team makes a really good play. But when you make an unforced error like that, that was completely avoidable, it drives you nuts, especially in a situation like that where, as we said, the Bills would have ended up having to punt. Instead, they went on to get three points. And part of the reason they were able to get those three points is because Marcus May dropped an interception. I can't be too tough on May. Listen, he absolutely should have caught that. But A, 
He did make a play on the ball in B. He played very well overall today. I'm not going to crush me for this, but he definitely should have come up with the ball there. Yeah, for sure. And again, right. I mean, it's, you know, the Henry Anderson play there, the penalty. It's the Marcus May dropped interception. Uh, you know, it's Trumaine Johnson losing guys in coverage. It's Daryl Roberts losing guys in coverage. It's the Jets defense getting tired late in the game. It's CJ Mosley getting hurt. I, I know some of these are things we're going to get to here, but yeah, I mean, just it, it turned into a, a series of unfortunate events for the Jets and one by one, the dominoes just kept falling. Play like a jet. Play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. You mentioned the corners, and that was something that has been talked about for a while because Tremaine Johnson struggled a lot last year. And even with him struggling, and we saw it again today, he was still worlds better than any other cornerback on the roster. He's still right now worlds better than any other cornerback on the roster, even though, as you said, he was losing guys in coverage all day, as was Daryl Roberts, who just absolutely got cooked by John Brown. I think that some people were just hoping that maybe the corners under Greg Williams would find a way to perform better than they actually were. I've been saying for a while that Daryl Roberts, bless his heart, is more or less a third or fourth cornerback who shouldn't be starting, but he's like a nice depth piece who if you have to have him start a couple of games here and there, it's not the end of the world, but he shouldn't be starting on a regular basis. Everybody was worried about these cornerbacks going into this game, and they proved that everybody was worried for good reason. Yeah, I mean, the Jets cornerbacks were basically just as bad as everyone expected they were going to be. I mean, like we said, Tremaine Johnson losing guys in coverage left and right. There were, you know, guys just running open across the middle of the field. It happened to, to Daryl Roberts, too. Both of those guys took some penalties that didn't help matters. I mean, it, it was just one thing after another. I mean, Daryl Roberts couldn't even stop John Brown on that 38 yard touchdown, the, the go ahead score at the end there for the Bills. He tried to take him down and commit pass interference, and even that couldn't, you know, he couldn't even get that to work. So it was really, really tough. Anytime that Josh Allen had any sort of time and space in the pocket, when he had a minute to make a decision, you know, he was picking the Jets defense apart. The secondary really just had no way of stopping him. The only chance the Jets defense really had was when they were able to get pressure on him and force Allen to panic a little bit, to move a little bit, to make bad decisions that way. But, you know, as soon as he had time to actually read the defense, survey things, and wait for a guy to get open, Sure enough, one of them was going to pop free. There was no chance that Roberts and Trumaine Johnson were both going to hold it down for an entire play. So uh, that has to be a, a very real concern if you're the Jets moving forward. And I have a feeling we're going to have this conversation quite a few more times over the next 15 to, well, I suppose 16 weeks. Far too often, Allen was given way too much time. And I may not think that much of Josh Allen as a passer. There are plenty of other people who don't as well. But the bottom line is, he's still an NFL quarterback, and you give a guy that's an NFL quarterback, I don't care who he is, that kind of time to, as you said, process, and he's going to make you pay for it. You could get a backup quarterback that could do stuff like that if you give him that kind of time. So this was just a situation where Allen was able to benefit from the Jets being unable to create situations where he was going to be uncomfortable enough times down the stretch to be able to put this game away. And we're going to get back to Allen in a little bit, but I also want to talk a little bit about C.J. Mosley since I mentioned this. Boy, was he something today. He came up with two turnovers. He recovered a fumble. He returned an interception for a touchdown. He also, as I said before, saved a touchdown in the back of the end zone on a coverage play. Then he ended up getting injured. I'm not saying that his injury is what caused the Jets' defense to go downhill, but it definitely felt like when he came out, it really hurt their momentum a lot. Yeah, for sure. Losing him was a big blow to that defense, especially because, you know, if you, it came in conjunction with the fact that Avery Williamson is already out of there. So, uh, you know, once you lose CJ Mosley, now you're down to what were the third and fourth linebackers on this defense just a few weeks ago. So yeah, losing Mosley was a huge blow. He was electric all day long. He was, you know, pretty clearly the Jets' best player on that side of the ball for the first three quarters. And, uh, you know, unfortunate for him to have to leave that game and, uh, Adam Gase didn't have any update on his status after the game ended. So, uh, if you're a Jets fan, you gotta be hoping that, you know, Mosley bounces back quickly and he's back in the lineup for week two because, uh, you know, I don't want to knock Neville Hewitt and Blake Cashman. They did some good things. Hewitt, especially, you know, early in the game did some pretty nice things, but, 
you know, you don't really want those guys having to play full games, you know, full 60 minutes. It's going to be tough sledding for the Jets defense if that's the case. They, they can't really afford another major injury or lengthy injury at the linebacker spot. So they have to be hoping that uh, C.J. Mosley is just a, a little banged up and that a couple days will do him okay. And then he'll be back in there for uh, Monday night against the Browns because otherwise things could get dicey pretty quickly. Let's talk about Corey Vidvek. I know you've been looking forward to talking about him, Matt, because he was somebody that a lot of Jets fans were worried about going into this game, and with good reason. Here's someone that was acquired for a fifth-round pick weeks ago and was released because he was that bad with Minnesota. My argument was, and still is, that he had a very small sample size in Minnesota, had a much larger sample size in Baltimore, and was successful there. That doesn't mean that I wasn't nervous about him. That doesn't mean that I don't think that the Jets should have been more proactive about solving the kicker issue a while back. That just means I wasn't freaking out as much as some other people were. And I'm going to add to it with what might be a fairly unpopular opinion right now. The missed extra point was terrible. Kickers should not miss extra points. They're chip shots. However, that extra point ended up not actually costing them because the Jets ended up getting a two-point conversion, so that wiped away the missed extra point. The field goal, which again, you don't want to see a kicker miss a field goal, it was a bad snap, a bad hold, it wasn't entirely on Vidvek. I'm not saying he's completely absolved, but that's not like one of those things where he just clean missed it. He had a lot of help in missing that one, so I understand that that contributed to the loss but I think that Vidvek is being made to be much more of a villain here than he probably deserves. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, uh, I think it's pretty easy to see a missed field goal on this extra point, say that's four points left on the table and point directly at the kicker. But, you know, it's not quite as simple as that. He's responsible for the one uh, missed extra point, no question, clanging it off the left upright, upright not good. Um, so, you know, if anything, if you want to, you know, say that he was responsible for that one point that could have helped the Jets tie the game. I suppose you could kind of make that argument, though, like you said, the Jets went for two, and, you know, they may not have done that if they had already gotten the extra point earlier in the game. So uh, it's kind of a, you know, a second-guessing game there. But the field goal was, uh, you know, a mess from start to finish. The entire operation went wrong there. So uh, would you like to see a better kick and one that scares the posts a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. It was not pretty at all but you know when the ball is laying flat on the ground a half second before he you know swings his leg through it uh it's tough to say that that doesn't disrupt the kicker's rhythm and throw him off so uh you have to give him at least a little bit of a pass there so um it'll be interesting to see what the jets do here they've had so much churn at that kicker position already uh do they you know throw in the towel on him as well and you know start looking for kicker number four I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Adam Gase certainly did not give Vedvik a big vote of confidence after the game. Uh, you know, he was lukewarm at best in his comments. You know, when he was asked if he could still trust his kicker, his response was, we'll talk to the personnel people on Monday, which is not really what you want to hear if you're Vedvik. So, uh, you know, should be interesting to see what they do over the next few days. But uh, I think it's uh, a little too simple to just pin this whole thing on the kicker when there were just so many other things that were going wrong for the Jets. That's basically how I feel about it. If they want to replace Vedvik, I'm not going to cry about it. I just think that making him out to be villain number one is way overstating the case. Josh Allen, four turnovers today. He handed the Jets four turnovers. And the thing that was amazing was the Bills were driving every single time. They had the opportunity to score some points, and then Allen would just give the ball away, whether it was a fumble or an interception. He gave the Jets that many opportunities. They cashed in with six points, all on a C.J. Mosley pick six. Matt, the Jets turned the ball over zero times. They forced Josh Allen into four turnovers. If you get four turnovers and you give up none, you have to get yourself more than six points. And on top of that, to lose when the ratio of turnovers to not turnovers is four to nothing, it's just flat-out embarrassing. Yeah, not good. And especially, uh, you know, Adam Gase has been talking for a long time since arriving with the Jets saying that the one stat that he looks at, uh, that is, you know, other than the score that is like a, a tell all for him is turnover margin. Because, you know, if you win that battle, you should win the game. And there the Jets go and they dominate in that category today. And 
they still lose the game. I mean, that's that's pretty brutal for the Jets. And uh, not to be a wise guy, though, the Jets did have those four takeaways. But uh, technically speaking, they also had one giveaway. We all realized that in the press box, like a solid hour after the final uh, whistle. But that's that last play, the lateral play, wound up leading to a fumble that the Bills recovered. So it kind of you know skews the stats a little bit and makes it look a little bit. Uh, I guess better for the Jets than it really was because it was only a plus three differential and plus instead of plus four, you know, it really doesn't tell the most accurate picture of the game. But um, you know, I guess technically speaking, they did have that one turnover. But for all intents and purposes, yeah, a plus four turnover day and you walk away with a loss. I mean, that is just absolutely brutal. There is no excuse for not turning those three times that the Jets' offense got the ball from the defense. Turning them into zero points is just absolutely brutal. You cannot do that. That is a recipe for disaster. They were playing with fire. I mean, that should have been at least a three-possession game going into the half with how the defense was taking the ball away, with you know C.J. Mosley handing the team six points. Should have been seven points, obviously. I mean, it, it pretty easily should have been a three-possession game at halftime, and instead the Jets walk in up 6 nothing, and, you know, they let the Bills hang around, and they wound up paying for it in the end. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. So in addition to Josh Allen doing everything he could to hand this game to the Jets, so did Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, whose strategy seemed to be to have Josh Allen throw way more than he ever should have. Allen opened the game throwing like 20 times in a row. It was ridiculous. They barely even used Devin Singletary until late into the game. And guess what happened when they did, Matt? He did pretty well. Made me think that perhaps they should have used Devin Singletary a little bit more earlier, huh? Yeah, I mean, a little bit more balance probably would have been called for. I think the only only thing I can think that uh, maybe McDermott was thinking or, you know, the Bills were thinking was the Jets secondary and their ability to cover is bad so you want to try to pick on that early and the defensive line is kind of the strong point of the defense so if you can go after the weak point and stay away from the strong point a little bit but I mean 20 or whatever straight pass attempts out of the gate is obviously just way way too far toward one extreme so that was pretty wild but you know, at the, by the same token, you did just say, you know, the Bills were driving every time that before they turned the ball over. So to some degree, it was working up until Josh Allen made those mistakes or his, you know, Cole Beasley lets one go through his hands and that gives uh, CJ Mosley his pick six. So, uh, you know, it wasn't flawless from the Bills by any stretch, but to some degree it was working. But then, yeah, once the Jets defense started to get worn down, Singletary comes in and rolls over them and, you know, good night, it's over. So uh, that was, it, it was certainly an interesting uh, unorthodox plan. I, I don't know how good or bad it was. I suppose there's a reason he's making seven figures and I am not to coach football, but uh, it certainly seemed odd and definitely, you know, not something that we see a whole lot of. Um, and the first half didn't go great for the Bills, so very easy to second guess it, but Yeah, uh, bizarre game all the way around, man. I don't know. I've I've just been trying to digest things for the last few hours here, and every time I try to pin one thing down or a few things down, then another thing seems to pop up. So, you know, this is just one of those things, just some bizarre play calling on both sides. It worked to an extent, but the problem is, and this is the issue with executing that plan in the first place, when you put the ball in Josh Allen's hands to throw that many times, Again, yes, the Jets' secondary is weak, but we also know that Josh Allen's weakness is his accuracy, and so when you start having him throw that much, it amps up the odds of mistakes happening, which is Mm -hmm. exactly what ended up happening here. You said it, Matt, with Devin Singletary. I think that this game turned in two instances. The first was Henry Anderson getting called for that penalty, keeping that drive alive, and basically keeping the Bills alive by putting them on the board. The other was when Devin Singletary just gashed the Jets' defense late in the game and the Bills marched down the field for that touchdown. The Jets just looked completely gassed out. The defense had been on the field a ton, and they just looked like they had absolutely nothing left, and Devin Singletary ran all over them. Allen did, too, a little bit towards the end, but it was Singletary doing the bulk of the damage running the ball. And again, you think about it and you wonder... Why did McDermott take this long to use Singletary? And if the offense had done a little bit better of a job of cashing in on those turnovers or at least controlling the ball, 
maybe the defense isn't so exhausted and they can do a better job of containing Singletary towards the end. But that was really where the wheels came off, and it was ugly. Yeah, I mean, that defense, the Jets' defense, was in a bad spot by that point because at that point, like you said, you've, you've been on the field for a long time. You've made plays only to see the offense not capitalize on them. And, you know, in return, that keeps the Bills hanging around and keeps the pressure magnified and amped up. And then you see C.J. Mosley go out of the game. So the guy that's kind of, you know, getting the calls in and he's organizing everyone, now he's gone and he's also been your best playmaker for the day. And now you have... Neville Hewitt and Blake Cashman trying to fill those roles. And, you know, are those guys really well equipped at this point to kind of quarterback a defense, get everyone organized, get everyone in the right spots, you know, doing all of that mental work on top of the physical work once the snap comes. Uh, and then tired legs. I mean, it, it just, it snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And so for the last 15 minutes, that fourth quarter, it just, you said it earlier, but it was like a freight train just coming at the Jets and they, they were basically powerless to stop it by that point. And the Jets still got the ball back with three minutes left and an opportunity to go and win the game. They couldn't do it. They tried to drive down the field, but Darnold just wasn't effective enough. Le'Veon Bell at one point did pick up a first down on a key fourth and one, but it wasn't enough, and the Jets fell short. And the way that I looked at this game, Matt, was, as we said, Buffalo was driving a bunch of times, and then Allen would make a mistake. The Jets wouldn't cash in on it. And overall, it felt like the Jets were playing a game of Russian roulette, Sooner or later, that chamber wasn't going to be empty, and they were going to take one to the head, and that's more or less what happened here because they kept relying on Josh Allen's mistakes and Sean McDermott's odd game plan to keep them alive, and sooner or later, that wasn't going to be enough anymore if they weren't cashing in. They didn't cash in, and finally, like I said, that chamber wasn't empty on that pass to John Brown down the field, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just one of those Murphy's Law kind of games. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Jets. And it was, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. They just all kept adding up and adding up and adding up. And uh, by the end of the day, it was just insurmountable for the Jets. So um, pl- plenty of stuff to clean up for them. I'm sure tomorrow reviewing the film is not going to be a pleasant experience for just about anyone there's going to be so many mistakes and so many things that they're going to cringe at when they see, when they watch this game back and uh, you know, a lot to clean up and get fixed. If they're going to turn this thing around for week two against the Browns. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Let's talk about the injuries before we go inside the press room and find out what Adam Gase had to say about what went wrong today and what he's going to do to try and fix this. The two big injuries were Quinnen Williams, the rookie defensive lineman who had an ankle issue, and C.J. Mosley, who came out with a pulled groin. What do we know about these injuries? Uh, Unfortunately, nothing more than that. Uh, Adam Gase didn't provide any updates after the game, so uh, just going to have to hope that the Jets have some more information available for us on Monday when we talk to those guys on a conference call. So. Uh, we're kind of holding out for that. Uh, no further updates at this point. So not exactly sure how serious either of those problems are. But, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, if you're the Jets, you really, really got to be praying that this CJ Mosley thing is not too serious because we saw how quickly things could go sideways when he wasn't in there, especially with Avery Williamson already out of that lineup. If you have to play a significant amount of time with Neville Hewitt and uh, Blake Cashman both in there, I mean, it's, it's going to be tricky. So, uh, yeah kind of where things stand for the Jets right now, but we should know more in the next couple of days here. Let's go inside the locker room. We'll start with the coach. What did Adam Gase have to say? Yeah, so I already mentioned that he talked about his uh, kicker and kind of his confidence or lack thereof in him right now. Uh, He was also asked about Sam Darnold and his performance, and he pretty simply said, we have a lot of of room to, you know, make improvements. So uh, it was short and sweet and to the point with Darnold there so not exactly a rave review but you know he used the word we he didn't say Sam had a lot to improve on so I I suppose he kind of was including himself in the blame there 
uh, he did rave about Le'Veon Bell, as you would accept, expect, you know, saying that he looked really good and did not look at all like a guy that, uh, you know, had such a long layoff from football. But uh, on the whole, you know, he kind of admitted that this offense was inept. That was his word at one point. He said the unit was inept and, uh, you know, that they have a lot of stuff to clean up and that, you know, there were some plays mixed in there that could have been game breakers, but were just a hair off here and there and that they didn't do nearly a good enough job of capitalizing on uh, those turnovers plus those near miss plays that I just mentioned. So, um, you know, it was a lot of kind of what you would expect from Adam Gase after this kind of frustrating performance and just kind of taking one on the chin about the offense. But, uh, you know, good to at least hear him say most of the right things, I suppose. Let's talk about some of the players. We heard from Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, Jamison Crowder, and Tremaine Johnson. What they have to say? Yeah, so I'll start with Jamal, and uh, I'll start with him mostly because one of the things that he said to me was, uh, or to a group of us, but, you know, he was responding to one of my questions, was uh, a little alarming to me, I suppose. I mean, the and I'll have more on this at NJ.com slash Jets on Monday morning. It was uh, something that I, I wrote a decent bit about here, but... Um, Jamal was asked kind of what changed for the fourth quarter there for his defense. And basically he just said that the Jets, you know, stopped playing with energy and stopped playing team football. And, uh, you know, that is obviously pretty concerning. I know we talked about the Jets being fatigued uh, potentially down the stretch there. Jamal didn't take that excuse for what it's worth when he was asked, you know, what it was that led to them kind of faltering down the stretch. He said he didn't know. He just, that's what he saw. He, he saw a bunch of guys that, you know, weren't playing with energy, weren't kind of up to the task down the stretch. But, uh, when the Jets spent the last handful of months kind of beating everyone over the head with the word energy, the words culture, I mean, those are the buzzwords around the Jets building for so long. And then all of a sudden when, you know, their backs are against the wall and the culture is supposed to prevail and, you know, they've been talking about energy for all this time, the energy goes away and the, the culture didn't hold up. So that is uh, a bit concerning, I would think. I mean, it's it's one game, so I don't want to go too nuts blowing things out of proportion here, but um, that's, you know, a little bit alarming, I think, uh, for the Jets. And, you know, Jamal said, you know, that they'll be fine. He said it's not the end of the world. Um, but the fact that the kind of the, the fundamental values of this Jets team kind of faltered so quickly in week one here, I think is at least uh, a little bit of something to keep an eye on moving forward here. Uh, kind of moving on to some other guys. Leonard Williams was pretty blunt. He called the loss devastating. He said, you know, it's division game, so it kind of counts for double. So to lose that is brutal, especially knowing that they had the game in the bag. Um, he said he felt like even the Bills know that they kind of got away with one and, and stole one that they shouldn't have won there. So, um, you know, Leonard was taking it tough, but, uh, you know, he also said that he would uh, not look at this as kind of an extension of last year and say that, you know, it was more of the same themes. He, he said that he would like to think that, you know, this was different in some regards, but uh, not entirely sure how at this point, really. I mean, I, I suppose the Jets just want to try to separate this year from last as best he could. So, um, you know, he wasn't taking that bait, but, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the things that went wrong in this game were eerily familiar for Jets fans. Uh, and as far as Tremaine Johnson goes, he kind of tipped his cap to John Brown in some regard there saying, you know, he's a great wide receiver, but, um, you know, didn't, you know, he said he felt really good after the month layoff from football with the hamstring injury. Um, said it felt good to get back out there said he thought he fared fairly well for the most part so um Tremaine was mostly playing things close to the vest and um you know wasn't letting on all too much after this one this quote also reported by your colleague Daryl Slater Jordan Jenkins saying we could have gotten blown the hell out 50 to 10 60 to whatever we're still alive we know we were the better team out there people can count us out they can say whatever the hell they want to say, but if you ain't paying me, we're not going to let that affect us. Jordan, love you, buddy. Think you're a good player. Appreciate your perspective there. But saying at least we didn't get blown out, not exactly a good defense. And by the way, I'm not sure how it is that you were the better team when 
A, you lost, and B, the only reason that you were ahead in the first place is the fact that they turned the ball over four times, and they turned the ball over four times, and you still lost. So I understand that he's fired up, and he's trying to defend the team, but he's got to get better at doing that because that's a ridiculous quote. Yeah, there was kind of a a decent amount of that um, defiance going around the the Jets locker room. I I guess defiance would be the word for it, just guys saying that, you know, this isn't going to be a game that defines this team, you know, that this isn't the end of the world. It's one loss. It's not, you know, the biggest deal. They can recover from this. And, you know, obviously to some extent that's all true, but uh, this is also, I mean, they they blew a 16-point lead. Let's not sugarcoat it. They blew a 16-point lead. Uh, they equaled the biggest lead that Todd Bowles blew in his tenure in the first game of Adam Gase's tenure. That's not exactly good. Um, and, you know, it was a kind of catastrophic performance on just about every level at some point. So uh, it wasn't good. It certainly was not good. Uh, I get why the Jets are trying to keep it in perspective and say it's one game out of 16. That obviously makes sense. But, uh, you know, We've also we've heard all these quotes before. You know, this was how things went all last year. After every game, it was we how we know how to win. You know, it, this is going to get turned around. We're going to fix this, and it it never happened. So, um, not saying that the Jets are necessarily destined to the same path. Obviously, things can change, but um, you know, when you do it for 17 weeks in 2018, and then you come out for week one of 2019, and you start hearing the same old things. I'm sure Jets fans have to get at least somewhat frustrated with that. Speaking of frustration, I just have to say this real quick before we go, Matt. I know you didn't have to deal with this because you're a credentialed member of the press. I've been a season ticket holder of this team for over 30 years, and it never ceases to amaze me how annoying the game day experience can be from the perspective of just trying to park your car, trying to navigate the traffic around the stadium, being able to have the person that's taking your parking ticket stub do it in an orderly and quick manner, being able to just get into the stadium, being able to get to your seats. This is a billion-dollar stadium. We are talking about a team that's worth billions of dollars. They have got to get their act together and do a better job here. It doesn't ruin the game day experience if the Jets win, but it certainly adds insult to injury when they lose, and it makes it a lot more unpleasant. And this is a big part of the reason why a lot of people decide on game days to sit at home in their air conditioning with their multiple HD TVs and watch all the games rather than make the trip out to the stadium and have to deal with all this hassle. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right to me. Uh, and like you said, I mean, it, it doesn't sell things if the Jets win. It's really easy to put up with nuisances when your team is winning. But, um, you know, the Jets haven't had the luxury of a ton of wins lately. So uh, if you're going to lose games and also make things tough on people, yeah, you're going to grind some people's gears pretty quickly, I would imagine. Let's hope they don't grind too many gears the rest of the year. Let's hope they get on the right track and nobody really cares about the inconveniences because they're so happy about the team winning. And we're going to find out if they can get back on track against the Hungry Browns team next week because the Browns got spanked by the Tennessee Titans, so they come into this one 0-1. We'll see if Odell Beckham takes out his frustrations on the Jets next week and has a better fantasy day than he did in week one. Not that he was bad, seven catches for 71 yards, but certainly not worthy of a top pick in any fantasy league, especially a week-to-week, day-to-day fantasy league like what's going on over at FanDuel, where you can win all kinds of great prizes. And if you're a first-time customer, you can get 20 bucks in Insight credit if you deposit 20 bucks or more. The beauty of it is you pick a new team every week, so the roster's flexible. Injuries and busts can't kill your season because if you use the first pick in the draft on a player who's injured, doesn't have to stay with your team the entire year. He's gone by the next week, which gives you plenty of chances to win, which is good because there's millions of dollars worth of prizes at stake. Sign up now for FanDuel and get yourself 20 bucks in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of 20 bucks to get started, and you'll get an extra 5 bucks in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel app today. But Matt, beyond just the fantasy ramifications of that matchup, you now have a situation where you've got two teams that a lot of people expected to be 1-0 now going to be 0-1 for Monday Night Football And we will have a complete rundown of that game after it happens next Monday night. 
Matt will be here once again because he's a glutton for punishment, but let's hope that the results are a little bit different next time when the Jets take on the Browns. Matt, thanks so much as always for hopping on. Appreciate it. Looking forward to doing the post game with you next week. In the meantime, why don't you let everybody know what they can expect over at NJ.com and what you have coming down the pike as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, head over to NJ.com slash Jets. You can find me on Twitter as well. It's M underscore Stipulkowski. That is S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Um, yep, we had, uh, you know, some stuff right up at the end of the game, uh, breaking things down, followed it up with some quotes out of the, the locker room and uh, some more stuff coming on uh, Monday morning as well, just kind of looking at, you know, which players are, are kind of most responsible for this loss, a, a little bit of similar stuff to what we talked about already here, but, uh, you know, going to go into some detail there. And uh, like I mentioned, kind of breaking down what Jamal Adams had to say about this team as well with the energy and culture. Um, and then, yeah, well, I mean, we're going to be talking to the players getting back in the locker room later this week and, uh, you know, finding out more about what they saw on film and how they plan on correcting all of these messes. So, uh, yeah, follow along and uh, keep things tuned in, nj.com slash Jets. Appreciate you guys all following along. Go ahead and follow Matt on Twitter at M underscore Stipulkowski. That's S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Read his work over at nj.com slash Jets. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.